Welcome to Nope, Never Saw It. I'm Gina, a movie lover. And I'm Sonia, a movie not lover. My mission is to make Sonia watch all the movies she's never seen. And my mission is to watch more movies and not always have to say, Nope, Never Saw It. So we started this podcast. We hope you enjoy it. So Gina? Yes, Sonia? I'm ready. Let's get started. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Nope, Never Saw It. I'm Gina. And with me always is the beautiful Sonia. I ain't afraid of no ghosts. <laughs> should we re- we should record that? And, I know. Um, well, we did record it. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe this is the start of our record deal. I think so. It'll just be a compilation of me singing your name in various ways and you reacting. Yeah, I think that would be uh, something everyone would want to hear. I I would buy that. And I think we should release it as an old school album. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sell it at Tower Records. Yep. Yeah. Which is appropriate because, you know, Ghostbusters has taken us back to the 80s. So why not do the same with our new record idea? Mm-hmm. Yeah. How are you, Sonia? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. I'm super relaxed because it's a cold, rainy day. I had the day off from school today. So, um, but I spent a lot of the time grading, but also sitting on the couch. So, you know, six of one, half a dozen of the other. Mm -hmm. That sounds very much like Sean's day. He also was off today, but he did grading and he did like house chores which i appreciated um Mm -hmm. but i think he also watched some tv and just relaxed hey well speaking of tv i think this is a good segue we are going to be talking about ghostbusters today but watching tv has something to do with my so so (laughs) my my friend share I actually, it's funny because um, earlier today I was also uh, finishing up editing our last episode when we talked about sleeping with the enemy and Lifetime movies came up frequently (laughs) in our discussion. And I just recently got hooked on a Lifetime show. I don't know if it's still on Lifetime, but uh, my friend Liliana turned me on to this show because... I don't know if you know this or I've told you, but one of my guilty pleasures is uh, reality TV, but I'm picky about the reality TV that I watch, Mm -hmm. even though when I tell you what my favorite shows are, you're going to be like, Gina, are you really that picky? (laughs) Um, I am. I am totally obsessed with Netflix. Love is blind. Okay. I've never watched it, but I have heard a lot of conversation about it. Oh my gosh. It does spark a lot of conversation, which is one of the things that I love so much about it because it's just ridiculous. Um, So I got Liliana hooked on it. And then she said, if you love love is blind, then you need to watch married at first sight. So, uh, and it's a lifetime show. It was originally a lifetime show, but it's streaming on Hulu. So I'm almost finished with the first season and it is amazing. I feel like I've seen randomly like articles. I don't even know where, but it'll give you like an update on the couple. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and it, it seems very intriguing. What a weird concept. Yeah, it's really weird. But I have to say it, it, it kept at least the first season is cloaked under this veil of it being a scientific experiment. So there was actually a lot of research that went into the people that they brought onto the show, very extensive and in-depth interviews and um, background checks and everything. And and they have a, a, a psychologist, a sexologist, a sociologist, and a spiritual advisor. And the couples actually meet with them throughout the experience to check in and they get advice and homework and things to work on in the relationship. So it's not just like, a, all right, well, now you're married. You don't know each other. Good luck. We're mm-hmm. just going to film everything. And um, so it was, it's actually, it's really interesting. I enjoy it. That and sounds I really, really interesting. Yeah. And, and I hope I haven't watched the six months later episode yet. And this is the first season. So I think this was filmed like 10 years ago, but I really hope that one of the couples is still together because they're so cute. Oh, that's cute. Yeah. Okay. Um, um, my friend share. So I had a couple of different things running through my mind of what I might want to tell you. And none of them are really that exciting or interesting. So I'm just going <laughs> to tell you what I'm doing this weekend. <laughs> okay, tell me. Which is actually fun. Um, My cousin lives um, like an hour north from here in New York, like kind of near Beacon. Uh-huh. Um, so my sister and her husband are coming up on Friday night. They'll stay the night here on Friday. And then on Saturday, we're going to go up to where my cousin lives and just like have a fall weekend and like maybe hike and walk around and she also lives near wineries so go to a winery that should be fun yay that sounds awesome <laughs> friend that's- share friend share i think that sounds lovely well speaking yeah. of drinking libation sonia yeah we're drinking a manhattan cheers, cheers. let's take a little sippy sip mm-hmm Okay. You know what? what? It's not as strong as I thought, and it's tasty. It is. Yeah. So I've just spilled it everywhere, but that's fine. Um, <laughs> don't mind me. So a Manhattan is actually one of my favorite cocktails. Um, and as I said in our last episode, I was trying to bring us back to some basics because I feel like we've kind of, we, by we, I mean, I have sort of gone <laughs> off the rails um, in some recent episodes. So a Manhattan is a really easy, basic drink to drink. Um, if you spill it on yourself, your hands will be sticky. So <laughs> just be warned. Um, but it's basically, it is two parts whiskey. And the recommendation is to use rye whiskey if you have it, because it's a little bit spicier. I don't actually have rye whiskey, but I'm starting to think I should invest in it, particularly because I am the co-host of a podcast um, where we make cocktails. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But it's two parts whiskey, one part sweet vermouth, and then bitters. Um, And I know in the recipe that I sent you, it said two dashes of bitters. I really like the taste of bitters. I feel like it's, it's like... It, it tastes like fall to me. Um, mm-hmm. So I always put in more than two dashes. Um, and then you garnish with a with a cherry. It's really easy. Also, in the recipe that I sent you, it said to stir and not shake, which I think I've always historically shaken them. Mm-hmm. Um, but I did stir this time. I don't notice a difference in the taste. 
only that it's delicious. I I I question what the difference is when you stir versus shake a drink. I'm sure there is one. Do well, you know? I do because there's a whole episode of The West Wing, um, which Sean and I are rewatching right now. And the president, played by Martin Sheen, President Bartlett, is talking about how if you stir a martini, so it's the specific example is a martini because he's also talking about James Bond and you know how James Bond is always like shaken and not stirred. Mm -hmm. So the president is like, you know, he's basically James Bond is bragging about preferring a weak drink or at least a weaker drink. Because if you stir the, if you stir a martini, the ice doesn't melt as rapidly. Whereas if you shake it, it's like getting, Mm. like, because you're kind of breaking it up, it'll absorb into the drink faster than if you stir it. Interesting. Mm -hmm. Well, I will say I stirred mine as well, and it is very strong. Also, even though I said it doesn't taste as strong as I thought it would, it still tastes very strong to me. I, I don't know what happened to me today. Maybe it was because I had time because I didn't have school, but I did make a trip to the liquor store to actually get rye whiskey. Oh, nice. Because I feel like I I have been failing as a cocktail maker because I'm always like, well, I have this. I, I'm still like the the Bloody Mary from our, it haunts our, you. our When Harry <laughs> Met Sally episode haunts me, my terrible when my substituting sambuca for chartreuse yeah that was <laughs> that was awful so i'm like you know what i'm gonna do this one right the only thing i didn't have were brandy soaked mm-hmm. cherries they weren't they didn't sell those at the store i went to but i got the rye whiskey and then i got the uh angostara angostara mm-hmm. bitters yeah yep. because i have i have a different brand of bitters but i read that the angostara are you know more appropriate or that's like a bartender's yeah, those people. are my, that's what I have. Um, so I feel like doing all of that. I did just do two dashes, um, but but this is this is a this is a tasty. I feel very I feel very mature. Like I should be in a smoky bar right now. You probably should be. Yeah. Should we move this to a? I don't think you can smoke in bars anymore. You can't though. smoke in bars anymore. Although there was a lot of smoking in Ghostbusters. There was. Yeah. Um. And just to explain, so I chose this drink because it takes place, the film takes place in Manhattan. Mm -hmm. Um, So (laughs) I did what I did last week where I chose the setting and the drink inspired it. Um, But I also learned two interesting things about Manhattans while I was just sort of reading up on them. Um, Apparently, if you, so our drink is, uh, as I said before, two parts whiskey, one part sweet vermouth and bitters. If you split the vermouth and you do that one part of vermouth, if you do half of the one part as sweet and half of the other part as dry, that's called a perfect Manhattan. Oh. Which in in Ghostbusters, Manhattan was certainly not perfect. So we did not do that. Correct. Um, and then if you switch the ratios of vermouth to whiskey, mm-hmm. it's a reverse Manhattan, which I'm a little bit horrified and intrigued by yeah <laughs> but maybe i'll make one one day and i'll talk about it here okay well i'm enjoying this drink just as i'm sure i'm going to enjoy our conversation about ghostbusters ah, 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 ah. <laughs> are you ready to dive in sonia i'm ready 
All right, here we go. Ghostbusters was released in 1984, directed by Ivan Reitman, written by Dan Aykroyd, Harold Ramis, and Rick Moranis, starring Bill Murray as Dr. Peter Venkman, Dan Aykroyd as Dr. Raymond Stance, Sigourney Weaver as Dana Barrett, and Harold Ramis as Dr. Egon Spangler. And Sonia, in the tradition of Nope, Never Saw It, I have made a list of films that are connected to each of the names I have just read off to you. I'm going to read these titles to you. And if you've seen the movie, you say, Dungeon, of course I've seen it, please. And if you haven't, what do you say? Nope, never saw it. Okay, here we go. And and also, I am going to say that I'm trying to be better about not giving you 20 films for each actor because I've learned from my mistakes early on in our recording days. I like I'm, it. But... I'm like running out of movies for some people. But anyway, mm. so I'm, I'm going to try and keep it simple. But here we go. So Ghostbusters was directed by Ivan Reitman, who also directed Twins. And I already gave you a litany of films that he had directed in our Twins episode. But there's here is a film that I did not mention. He also directed Kindergarten Cop. Nope, never saw it. Okay. Dan Aykroyd, uh, who did star in the film, but is also also wrote the screenplay, also wrote the screenplay for Dragnet. Nope, never saw it. Okay. Harold Ramis, who also stars in the film, also has writing credits, and he wrote the screenplay for Analyze This. Uh, I have no idea. It's with Billy Crystal and, um, oh my gosh famous italian actor robert de niro yes i still don't know okay (laughs) Uh, unknown okay um and then rick moranis who has uncredited writing credits and i'm wondering now if it's because a lot of his lines were Mm ad-libbed um he also wrote strange brew uh nope never saw it okay that's I, I think that's a hockey movie i don't think i've seen it i can't remember i might have seen it in college but i might have been really drunk and i don't remember so in which case i have not seen it either <laughs> okay another rule <laughs> another rule if you don't remember watching it because you were drunk you didn't see it okay bill murray uh who played dr pete and vinkman was also in these two films tootsie uh i don't know Okay, that's with Dustin Hoffman. Yeah, no, I know, but okay, I kind of have a weird memory (laughs) of them showing it to us like on a rainy day in elementary school. Okay, (laughs) but that doesn't seem appropriate. So no, (laughs) it doesn't mean it didn't happen. I know, I know, I don't know. It was the (laughs) eighties. All right, we'll 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 put that down as a nope. Never saw it. Um, and he was also in Lost in Translation. Yes, I've seen that, Gina. Okay. So I've seen it. Okay. All right. (laughs) Dan Aykroyd, who played Dr. Raymond Stance, was also in My Girl. Yes, I've seen that. Oh, I forgot he was in that. That's right. He's the dad. Yeah. And he was in Tommy Boy. I have seen that. Okay. I don't really remember it, but I have seen it. Okay. Sigourney Weaver was an alien. Yes, I've seen that. Okay. And Working Girl. Is that with... Mm, no no nope, melanie griffith okay yeah okay i was gonna say meg ryan and i knew that wasn't her name right yeah melanie but, griffith harrison ford yeah no never saw it okay Ooh, that's a good one i'm gonna add to the list um harold ramus was in baby boom nope never saw it or heard of it oh my god it's so good and ghostbusters 2 <laughs> now i 
maybe have seen Ghostbusters too. Okay. But I don't know. Okay. That's the one where the Statue of Liberty comes to life and Dana has a baby that they have to save. And there's this weird creepy guy that she's painting and he comes out of the painting. I'm going to go with nope, never saw it. Okay. I was drunk and didn't remember it <laughs> and didn't or remember was a child and don't remember it <laughs> <laughs> all right that's okay that's okay uh moving on in our effort to prove that the television show friends is the center of all things sonia i have three friends connections one of I them i do. know you have i have technically three but one of them is a two four one <gasps> oh Okay. Should I start when we'll go back and forth? Yeah. Okay. My first one, I mentioned that Harold Ramis wrote and directed Analyze This. He also wrote and directed Analyze That, which co-starred Lisa Kudrow. Ah. He played Billy Crystal's wife. Boom! Friends Connection. Excellent. Um, There is a Ghostbusters music video, and in that music video, Terry Garr and Danny DeVito, who both guest starred on Friends, appear. Oh, friends connection. That's so good. Thank you. Oh my gosh. All right. David Margillis, who plays the mayor, was in Ace Ventura, which also starred Courtney Cox. Boom. Friends connection. Alice Drummond, who plays a librarian, plays Mrs. Finkel in Ace Ventura. Boom. Friends connection. What? Okay. And this one, I, I think you have Michael Ensign, the hotel manager, was in two episodes of Friends as Dr. Ledbetter. He's the one who ate Ross's sandwich. Boom. Friends connection. Oh, I didn't get that one. You didn't get that one? That's the one I thought you'd get. No. Oh, I can't believe I didn't recognize him. I didn't. I. You know what? When I was watching the movie, there were like 10 different cast members in the film where I was like, I feel like they were in a Friends episode. Mm -hmm. And he was one of them, but I also thought everybody in the movie was in a Friends episode. So I was just going through all of their IMDb uh, like film catalogs. And when I saw who he was, I was like, yes. Okay. Wait, sorry. He played what character? He was the, he was Ross's colleague, the one that eats his sandwich. No, no, in the movie. He oh, was... he's the hotel manager. Okay. There's a reason why I might not have recognized him mm -hmm. which we'll get to when we get to the discussion oh my last friend's connection is that michael keaton had turned down the role of venkman and egon and he dated courtney cox from 1989 until 1994 michael keaton dated courtney cox yeah i did not know that isn't that weird yeah i don't see the two of them together i don't either but hey you know what i don't know either of them personally they obviously had a connection a friend's connection boom friend's connection boom boom all right okay sonia moving on in our last episode when i told you we were going to be watching ghostbusters i asked you what you thought the movie was about so sonia are you ready to hear your original plot summary read back to you word for word what i'd like to know is is the audience ready Audience, are you ready? Yes, we're ready. Okay. <laughs> That's so good. This drink is very strong. <laughs> I like it. Okay, here we go. This is Sonia's original plot summary for Ghostbusters. There are these four dudes who live in New York City, and they are Ghostbusters. And I don't know who they work for. Part of me thinks that they, like, pretend they're sanitation workers because, like, people don't believe in ghosts, but they are ghostbusters and they trap ghosts in there. They have, like, 
one of them, one of them I know is named Egon because I used to watch the cartoon and, and I don't know if it's him or someone else on the team, or maybe they all have it. They all have this like contraption that they like open and then the ghost goes in it and then they close it. It's like basically like a vacuum cleaner. So they trap the ghosts. I don't know what they do with them after, but they, they're like ghost exterminators. Yeah. I guess I missed the general plot. <laughs> you got some of it right, though. Yeah, they're ghostbusters. <laughs> they're they are ghost exterminators. They are ghost exterminators. They look like exterminators. They do. They yeah. really do. All right. Are you ready, audience, for my updated summary? We were born ready, Sonia. All right. I'm imagining some spooky music is playing in the background. You know I can make that happen for you, lady. Okay. <clears throat> Dana Barrett realizes there's something strange in her neighborhood. There's something weird, and it don't look good. She's all alone, so she picks up the phone. Who is she going to call? Enter doctors Peter Venkman, Raymond Stance, Egon Spengler, and later Winston Zedmore, who is not a doctor, also known as the Ghostbusters. Now, it's up to these Columbia University ex-employees turned paranormal superheroes to rescue Dana and New York City before they succumb to the evils of demigod Zool. It's a good thing these heroes ain't afraid of no ghosts. <laughs> <laughs> I almost started laughing like four times. <laughs> I know, I could tell. Can I tell you, it took everything I had to not yell out, Ghostbusters! Oh, you should have. I didn't want to ruin it because I didn't, I didn't want to like, you would have made me laugh. I know exactly. Yeah. So I, I love it, Sonia. All right. Well, we're going to get into this film. I will say, so this movie, as I said before, came out in 1984. I was six years old, um, probably about six and a half. Cause I believe it was a, I want to say it was a summer release, but you know what? Off the top of my head, I'm not entirely sure. You're right. It was in June. I remembered that. Okay. Hey. So um, I was delighted by this film as a six-year-old. I think that what I loved about it at that age was that it was kind of, it wasn't scary, but it was thrilling. You know, I think that it, as a six-year-old, I remember not feeling scared by the film. I remember thinking, that it was really funny and it was fun to watch and the moments where it was supposed to be quote unquote scary were just more exciting and interesting to me because I saw it in the theaters and I, at such a young age the you know this film is just it's a I feel like it's kind of a part of my DNA in a way you know like it's it's part of those building blocks that have shaped my um how do I want to say this? My, you know, the types of films that I like and my appreciation for the art and and my humor in a lot of ways also, because it's a movie that I rewatched over and over and over again, especially when I was younger. Um, you know, I revisiting it as an as an adult in my 40s, you know, some of the things I have different um responses to it in some ways, but it's hard to I can't separate myself from from the nostalgia of it and, yeah. and just the, the silliness it's, it's silly. It's a silly movie. Um, so, but you know, before we get into like some of my, 
my commentary. Sonia, what did you think? What was your first impression? So I was definitely curious, like watching it, if it was a movie for film, for film. It is a movie for film. It, it was is. captured on film. <laughs> if it was a movie for adults or children, because I feel like it like couldn't find the right balance. Like mm-hmm. a lot of the humor is actually quite adult, but then like the main kind of story is sort of more on the level of children. Um, but I was super excited going into this because I've always heard like, you know, Ghostbusters. It's a classic. Yeah. I was very excited. I found this movie so boring, <laughs> like really not, not Goonies boring, like not <laughs> as bad as that, but I definitely, um, you know, was doing, you know, was looking at my phone a lot, probably like I, I was telling Sean today and he actually had the same reaction as me. I was like, I'm concerned about our recording today because I'm, I'm a- afraid that I don't know what happened in the movie because I wasn't really paying attention (laughs) in a lot of parts but luckily I did I actually did read a a recap of the movie and I did for the most part pick up on a lot of things but that's why I was going to say I wonder if that's why I missed the hotel manager because Mm -hmm. like his scenes I might have just been looking at my phone and like listening but not actually looking yeah well, no, I I do think that here here's what I'm going to say and this is not something I would have picked on picked up on when I was 6, but as an adult, you know, and someone who who you know, you know, English teacher, I appreciate the story arc and I and I love the good story. Um a, a friend of mine, my friend Jed, I I think it was Jed who said cuz he had rewatched it recently and I think it was maybe a year or two ago he revisited it and he said, "Do you know it doesn't have a plot?" I was like, what are you talking about? I mean, it it kind of does, but here's what it's missing. It's missing an exposition. It doesn't, because I, I, I never noticed this, but from the very beginning, they're already invested in investigating the supernatural. There's no, um, we don't really get much backstory about them as individual characters, right? Mm-hmm. All we know is that They are being kicked out of the university. Their funding is being taken away. Um, We know that they are investigators of the paranormal and they're trying to gather data, but that's pretty much it. We don't know really anything else about them. So I, I, I would say there's a story, but there isn't much of an arc because I don't think, and, and you know, I, you know, not to give away too much when we get into our categories in terms of character arc, I didn't really feel like they change at all mm-hmm. from the beginning to the end. Yeah. You know, it felt like their, their business grows, but, but they don't. And that, and that was really hard for me. And again, it's like, it's not that I wanted a prequel. I know we, we say that a lot with these films that we watch, but I think I needed to know more about each individual Ghostbuster. Why is Egon so removed? You know, why is he so detached emotionally from things? Why is Venkman so arrogant? Why is Ray so childlike? You know, mm-hmm. where where is that coming from? And and you know, and I think what would have been even more helpful for the story is to to show how even though they're so completely different they feed off of each other's strengths i mean 
they, you know, they work together to catch ghosts, but it's not like, well, thank God for Egon and this, thank God for Ray and this, you know, it's just like, it, I just feel like they're kind of there. Yeah. They're kind of like, oh, well, I guess since we're coworkers at Columbia and all of our funding is getting taken away, we might as well find some other business venture together. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> Let's do it. <laughs> Let's let's uh let's take a loan out on uh on Ray's house that was left to him and blow it all on a really expensive uh firehouse and car and arcade games apparently they yeah. have arcade games in there. <laughs> well, I think I mean Jed's comment, I mean you already touched on this, but Jed's comment I I appreciate because that's kind of how I felt when I was watching it. I was like I know stuff's happening, but like there's nothing maybe that's exactly what it was like I had no attachment to the characters really um so I just it was kind of like all right you know stuff's happening but I don't care what happens right yeah and I think it's because I, I you know and it's not that I don't have an issue with them starting with a haunting I mean I think that that's I think that that scene in the library in the basement um is really helpful is I think that's really pretty much the only exposition that we get is that yeah. people are starting to witness um, actual sightings of ghosts and it's, and no, but you know, no one's believing them, but I feel like it jumps so quickly into these three characters um, investigating, but we don't even, we just, I just don't even, and how did they all come together again? Like them being so different, it seems like they all have completely different backgrounds. So what brought them together in the first place, what forces united them? And I would want more of that, mm -hmm. you know, I agree. Right. Like it, it would be funny, not funny, helpful, helpful <laughs> to see like, you know, even if they did like a flashback and they each had some ghost encounter when they were younger and then you see another flashback and it's like Columbia University, new hire orientation, and they're all there and like one of them maybe brings up their ghost encounter and then it that's how they get connected. Something like that. Yeah, yeah. I, I wonder if, you know, we talked about this with Sleeping with the Enemy last week, how there were some gaps in the storytelling and some some of the writing felt kind of lazy because, you know, it was almost like, well, we don't have time. We have to squeeze the story into 90 minutes. So we're just going to not delve into this and move on. And I wonder if this, the the filming of this movie fell victim to that, you know, like we only have we have to fit everything within this certain time frame, um, you know, and, and feeding into that was that they only had 12 months to write, film, edit, produce the entire film because they were, I think they met with executives in summer of 1983 and they said, we want to release the film in June of 1984. Mm -hmm. So ready, set, go. And all they had was like a 40 page treatment of the story. So then they spent that entire summer flushing out the screenplay um, and then, you know, trying to, you know, assemble a cast and crew and film, edit, all of the stuff, you know, in a year. Yeah. yeah. And that's particularly interesting because I also read that like the whole idea for the film came up because Dan Aykroyd just has an interest in this topic. So mm -hmm. you think that he would want to have some sort of 
scene where it shows like why they have this interest. But I also wonder if some of it is also because there's a lot of the film that's ad-libbed. And so, mm-hmm. you know, when you're trying to work that in and that's like, you've kind of got a lot of like comedy geniuses in this movie maybe that's what is more important to focus on than the actual story because it doesn't really matter yeah well and what's interesting is that i also read that dan Aykroyd, his original idea for the story and the original screenplay actually was a lot darker which i think is kind of cool i i think i think they they lightened the mood a little bit to make it more family friendly. Mm -hmm. Um, But the original screenplay was darker and that, and there were some actors that they had wanted to cast in specific roles that turned it down because they thought that the film was too dark. Oh, really? Yeah. But it also, um, it also was supposed to be a little bit more futuristic. It was supposed to take place in the future. One, one, one source I read said that, um, in this future, Ghostbusters were as ubiquitous as policemen and paramedics. You know, they were just another, <laughs> you know, another another uh, uh, resource in that in that regard. Um, and then in another article, I read that there was more like interplanetary travel. Oh, interesting. Um, which I feel would have overcomplicated the story. You know, yeah. I, I like that it's centered in Manhattan um, in one location uh, I think that grounds the story a little bit more. Um, but but I it is an interesting idea to have had instead of them doing something that is completely different, you know, like it, although we have a lot of ghost hunters and that kind of thing, but to, you know, to have the need for a team to come and, capture ghosts that like you said like a vacuum in a vacuum (laughs) it is a vacuum I stand by that yeah yeah (laughs) you know I I think that that's I I think there's something really interesting about that living you know setting the story in you know in real time in a real place but in in a world where we can see the soup we can see ghosts and we don't want them around and how do we exterminate them how do we remove them so that they don't interfere with their everyday life so when i open up my fridge i don't have a weird dog on a pyramid in the clouds yelling at me so i will say whenever i open up my fridge there's not a dog on a cloud and on a pyramid in a cloud But there's definitely, I open the fridge door and then there's a dog head right there (laughs) under the fridge door. And sometimes he's yelling and sometimes he's not yelling, but the pressure is there and it's not good. Does he yell Zool at you ever? He doesn't. um, But Sean and I sometimes will refer to him as a dinosaur because he'll make a noise where he's like, sounds like a T-Rex. And you know he wants something, and if you don't give it to him, T-Rex action will happen. Maybe he's part T-Rex. He might be. Yeah. Is that a thing? might be. Yeah. Why not? Yeah. He woke us up this morning with the T-Rex noise. Yeah. Okay, T-Rex. Okay, T-Rex. Okay. (laughs) Okay. Anyway, all of that is to say, (laughs) I sympathize with Dana in that moment. I know what it's like. (laughs) Yeah. Have a dog in the refrigerator yelling at you. My question about all of that is, okay, so she comes home 
with her groceries. She starts to put her groceries away. The eggs start jumping out of their shells, frying on her counter. She opens up her fridge. There's the weird Zool dog thing happening. Totally freaks her out. Yeah. She goes to the Ghostbusters. They come back with Venkman comes back with her and checks her apartment. But then she still stays there. I feel like if something I don't I mean, I don't know because I feel like if something that. um, What's the word I want to use? Terrifying, terrifying happened in my home. I probably wouldn't want to go back for a while, but she's she's still there and she's just waiting for their input and results from their research to figure out what was going on. Um, that, that, that was one part where I was like, why is she still there? Well, we talked about that when we talked about poltergeist, I Mm -hmm. said the same thing. I was like, why are they still in the house out, out? Like if I just ever was sitting in a room in my house and the door opened by itself, I'd be like, I'm staying in a hotel tonight. Goodbye. Yeah. There's no chance I would be chilling in the house. Yeah. Sorry, I'm I'm chewing a, a cherry. As you should be. I'm worried that that's going to come out on the mic. I should have muted myself. That's okay. But it's so good. Yeah, okay. they are good. <laughs> um, this is going completely in a different direction. Okay. But one thing that I was obsessing about while watching this film was that Bill Murray was 34. Okay. He looked 50. And I think he's maybe always looked 50. Like, I'd like to see a baby picture of Bill Murray. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's interesting that you bring that up because this is, I've noticed, a trend with 80s movies where there are certain, there are characters, there are actors and actresses that look way older than they actually are in real life. And anytime I bring this up with someone, their response is always the same. They always say it was probably because of all the cocaine. Now, I'm not saying that Bill Murray did a lot of cocaine, but I will say that I think lifestyles have changed from the 80s till now. I mean, we're talking like 40 years ago. I mean, how much how much emphasis do we put now on not eating processed foods and exercising and getting your daily walk in and sleeping well and not drinking every night and not smoking all the time? And I, I think that I think that the life that emphasis on that kind of healthy lifestyle has changed so much about us and and especially how well we age. Hmm. But, but yeah, but 30, I wouldn't have thought he was 34. I would have thought he was like late thirties, early forties. Yeah. Yeah. And I also think I have a skewed, like, I, I think I, and I've been told this my whole life that I look very young for my age. So it's Mm -hmm. also like, I also have that problem too, where I'm like, oh, that person's younger than me, but they look older than me. And I have that problem now even. (laughs) Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay, so yeah, Bill Murray looks old. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I want to comment on something, actually two things that are related to the film, but I'm going to end up going off on tangents. Mm-hmm. The first one is that we have a special appearance, but it's not, it wasn't special in the context of 1984, but watching the movie now, I was really excited that Reginald Bell Johnson, 
who is Carl Winslow from Family Matters and Sergeant Al Powell from Die Hard was the jail guard. And this really excited me because once again, he is a cop. So then all of a sudden I started to create this thought that he is the same cop from Die Hard and Family Matters. Like he's the same person and hear me out. So in Ghostbusters, he's a jail guard. So this is the early parts of his career. And then by the time Die Hard is released and he's moved over to Los Angeles, he's been promoted to sergeant, but everything that happened in Die Hard was really traumatizing. So he decided to move his family to a quiet suburb. Mm-hmm. And that's, and, and maybe he had to change his name because of the, the terrorists. I don't know, but that's my thought. I'm so die hard. <laughs> um, is the first one, the one where people think it's a Christmas movie. Like, yes. call, and then the second one is in New York city. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay. Um, the second one is in a plane. What about three? I never saw Die Hard three. Nope, never saw it. One of the Die Hards, Sean and I call like our movie because we watched it one time. I don't think we were dating yet, mm-hmm. or we were dating. I don't know, or we were dating the first. Anyway, in mm-hmm. any case. <laughs> I don't remember. That's okay. It's hard when there's a series of movies because which one is which one, you know? Yeah, especially when the plot ends up being the same, just recycled and yeah. revamped The a one bit. that Samuel L. Jackson is in. I don't think that's Die Hard 2. But it's been a long time since I've seen Die Hard 2. All I remember is that it, he's, he's, uh, um, he's taking a plane to see his wife. And something happens on the plane. Shit goes down on the plane. That's all I remember. Mm-hmm. Um, and the same guy. And speaking of Die Hard, the guy, the actor, hang on. It's oh Die my Hard gosh. with a Vengeance. That's oh, what it is. Oh, okay. But it's I'm just realizing this now. Um, William Atherton, who played Walter Peck in Ghostbusters, is also in Die Hard. He is the journalist that the wife punches in the face at the end, but he's also in Die Hard 2. Sonia, there's so many like- Die Hard connections. Die Hard connections. <laughs> I'm telling you, Reginald Bell Johnson, the jail guard in Ghostbusters is the same guy. Yeah. All right. Um, My other comment that I'm that's going to take me off on a tangent, I read that the prison- where they filmed the scenes of the Ghostbusters going through the blueprints of Dana's building after they've been arrested was actually rumored to be haunted. And what happened was the most of the footage that they filmed had these mysterious streaks and scratches, but there was nothing to explain where they came from. There was nothing wrong with any of their cameras. So they couldn't find any engineering or tech explanation for the scratches. But what was lucky was that they had enough footage that wasn't um, damaged or, or not damaged, but didn't have these weird streaks and scratches Ghosts. on it. Ghosts. Thank you. 
um, so that they could actually put edit a scene without having to reshoot, which reminds me of years ago, I went to New Orleans with some friends and we went on one of those ghost tours. Uh-huh. And they were talking about how when you take pictures of some of these haunted areas, you might see spots and streaks on your camera. Those are actually the ghosts. Mm -hmm. And I was like, all right. And I'm taking pictures. And then I had these like streaks in some of my pictures, but only in the pictures that I took of the quote unquote haunted houses. And I was like, this is weird. And what's interesting is that my friend Jess got married in New Orleans and they did their, that traditional like wedding parade Mm -hmm. after their, after their ceremony. And all of the pictures of the wedding parade are covered in spots. Oh my God. Like Like, they're like family and stuff who it was like, yeah for real it was almost like it was almost like a lot of like if you believe in that that these ghosts were there for the parade and celebration and their spirits came up in the film and you know but like all of the other pictures for her wedding were totally fine it was just during the parade um i mean i'm just saying like i'm not i'm not gonna hide that i believe in this kind of oh i 100 percent do too yeah so i thought but that that um that information that I read about the prison, the, the haunted prison, I thought was so interesting. Mm-hmm. Ghosts are real. Boom. I think they are. I do think they are. Yeah. Huh. Um, I have a question. Okay. Is Zul even a ghost, though? Because it seems like he's a demon. I, you know what? I'm not entirely sure. <laughs> what's happening there because i was like i'm confused well because zul was i again in the original screenplay i think zul was supposed to manifest as a man um but but they ended up having zul manifest as a woman which is something that i do i i actually did appreciate you Mm -hmm. know i thought zul would be a guy like zul is whatever it wants to be and i was like yeah suck it um (laughs) but i I'm not entirely sure what that is all about. And I'm not entirely sure. I'm assuming, I guess Zool is some supernatural being, but a very powerful one. And my, my understanding, which is sad that I'm actually not entirely sure because how many times have I seen this movie? Um, But maybe that lends to the fact that there isn't much of a well-developed plot. Well, but I think it's, it's also unclear though. And I only like, you know, the film is called Ghostbusters, but then this thing seems bigger than what a ghost would be, or at least what you think a ghost would be. And I watched yeah. that show Supernatural. I watched all wow, 15 seasons of it. Oh my God. And like, it's really like, if you are looking for a show that is going to take you a long time to watch, you should watch that show. Don't watch the last episode. Just stop at the second to last episode. Anyway. Okay. But it teaches you that there's, you know, you can be a, they're basically Ghostbusters, but they're more than Ghostbusters because they deal with all sorts of supernatural things, which I think maybe this film should have been called Supernatural Busters. (laughs) Super Busters. Okay. I totally understand your question now because the, what we see in the library is a ghost. Yeah. What we see in the hotel is a ghost. Yeah. I'm not quite sure of what, but it's a, it's a ghost, I guess. 
but what is Zool? I understand now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, is because a ghost implies that it is the spirit of a person who has passed on. Mm-hmm. But is Zool? Well, a he's a demigod, which right. I guess is maybe a ghost, but I think it's like a ghost plus. Yeah, which means I wouldn't call it a ghost. Yeah, I like I like this term ghost plus. Yeah. Right? 2000. It's like Paramount Plus. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Apple TV Disney, Plus. Disney Plus. Yeah. yeah. If you want the extra features, you yeah. need the plus. Right. Exactly. If you want to actually watch a movie, you need to pay for plus or pay $10 for the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, no, that's a really, that's a really good, I never even like thought of that before. Yeah. You're right. Zool is not a ghost. Zool is some sort of super being yeah yeah okay well i mean this throws a wrench in a lot of things yeah but well i think i'm ready for categories i am too but i have one fun fact before that oh i'm ready harold ramus mm-hmm. and i <gasps> Have the same birthday. Shut up. I know. And I was very surprised because I don't, for some reason, so my birthday is November 21st. Mm-hmm. And for some reason, I feel like it's a very uncommon birthday. So whenever I find out that someone has that same birthday, I'm very excited. Yeah. I mean, what's a common birthday? I don't know. I know like a hundred <laughs> people who were born on like August 29th. I know a bunch of people. Really? Mm-hmm. That's interesting. Yep. I I can't think of a birthday that I know multiple people. I can think of a month. I feel like um, October is a very busy birthday month. Yeah. My sister, my sister-in-law, Lee, my two nephews. It's a lot of birthdays in yeah. one month. Yeah. 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 But... And I know a lot of November birthdays, but like the 21st, I'm like, hey. Huh. Cool. Yeah. Anyway. I'm ready for categories first. Okay. All right, Gina, you're going to go first this time. Mm-hmm. But before we get into it, in our episode where we discuss sleeping with the enemy, we scored three points. Yes. We've been averaging about three points every so often. Yes. So we're at 74. Yes. Which means we're only six points away. Yes. From my next pick, which I don't know. I feel weird about this episode. Yeah, I don't. I mean, we're not going to get six points today. I'm no, pretty sure no, we no. might have some overlaps, but maybe not. Yeah, maybe not. I mean, some. I think some of my picks are like really obvious picks, but that doesn't mean that you'll have them. Yeah, this might be. This might be the episode where we get zero. It could be. Yeah. All right. Well, I'm going first. You are. All right. Well, let's get a just, girl. Let's just get into this and see how we do. Favorite character, I chose. For my favorite character, Lewis, played by Rick, Mar- Mar- played by Rick Moranis. Okay, and I think that this, I think this drink is hitting me. Yeah, it probably is. Yeah, <laughs> I, I absolutely loved him when I watched it this time. I, for some reason, okay, there. I will. I'm going to preface by saying there were a lot of things that I remember differently, and it's funny because I did. Re- I watched this film again maybe a year ago. But still coming into it this time, there were certain things that I thought I remembered about the movie and 
a few moments where I was like, oh, I was completely wrong about that. <laughs> For some reason, I remembered his character as being completely obsessed with Dana to a point where he didn't, he wanted to like sabotage her budding relationship with Vinkman. I have no idea where that's coming from. Wait, that's the memory I have of this film, but it's also because I wasn't paying attention. So maybe my comprehension of the film is that of a six-year-old. <laughs> right exactly so because here's the thing so there every time she walks by his apartment to go to her apartment he always comes out to talk to her yeah and then there's the time where he's inviting her to the party and she says she can't go because she has a date and he looks really sad and and she's like well maybe we'll stop by and he's like oh okay um and i and i realized this time watching it, I said, I don't think he's obsessed with Dana. I think he's just very eager to connect with anybody. You hmm. know, like, I think I think there's a social awkwardness about him. Um, even in his party, when uh, when he's... Uh, and by the way, that whole... That first shot of his party is one continuous take. And I read that he uh, improvised almost all of it. That's which awesome. I, which I absolutely love about that. Um you know, he's, he's so socially awkward, but there's something so endearing about him. And, and when I, when I saw him in that light, I just, I absolutely loved his character. And I, and I felt like even when he's possessed and he's the key master, he's still likable, you know, like he's, because he, it's almost like sort of in the way that his character, um, before he's possessed there there's an innocent quality about him again because there's that that social ineptitude it still translates when he's possessed you know which i which i really like so that's why i picked him as my favorite character oh and can i just say as an aside this is something i picked up in my teen years that sigourney weaver is the gatekeeper and rick moranis is the key master okay come on people can yeah. we, we, we know what that means. Innuendo, <laughs> innuendo, innuendo. All right. That's all I got to say. Sonia. Um, <laughs> so this, I should have said this before we got into category. So this is an aside and then I will tell you my favorite character. Okay. Um. So I was watching this movie and then during it, I texted my cousin and I said, didn't you meet Sigourney Weaver when you were a small child or like, mm. didn't she hold you when you were a baby and she, in, in an elevator? And she said she was holding my sister, her younger sister, but she was there and she was young, but yes, she, so my cousin Melanie and, and my, and her sister, Stephanie, the one, Stephanie is the one I'm going to see this weekend. They met Sigourney Weaver when they were small children in an elevator. Wait, and, and Sigourney Weaver held your cousin? Yeah, I think she, she picked up Stephanie. I'm looking at the text, but Melanie and I text a lot, so I might not see it right away. But. Can I, can I tell you that Lee also met Sigourney Weaver because he had to fly her somewhere? What? And I'll tell you a secret. Tell me. Her real name is Sarah. Because <gasps> that's what her passport says. Oh. And he said she's super tall. And I looked it up and she's six feet tall. She seems really nice. Well, that's how tall you are. I know. That's why I want to be her friend. Yeah. And you're also super nice. Thank you. So I think that that's um, Sigourney Weaver. We know you listen and we would really like for you to mm -hmm. come on our show. Yeah, we'd love to meet you in you person. You can pick, just pick whatever movie you want to, and then um, we will listen to it. 
Sonia, is this your way of saying that Sigourney Weaver was your favorite character? Well, and I meant we'll watch it. I was I was reading and okay. Anyway, no, <laughs> no, no, no. My favorite character was Winston. Okay. Um, so apparently Winston was originally supposed to be played by Eddie Murphy. And then once Eddie Murphy turned down the role, they actually made Winston's character less of a prominent character in the film, which is a bummer. Right. Because I feel like he was like the most likable Ghostbuster. Um, I also like that he was just like a regular guy and not like, you know, a doctor from Columbia and not that there's anything wrong with doctors from Columbia. I'm sure they're very nice. But as we were talking about, they weren't very developed and we didn't know why they were, they were interested in this. And you don't totally know why Winston is either, unless you do. And I just missed it. (laughs) No, we don't. (laughs) Which is possible. (laughs) But I just felt like he was like the most relatable character and I really liked him. I like that answer. Thank you. Yeah. I love you, Winston. I love you too, Winston. I wanted more. Yeah, I did too. I was bummed. I would have really liked Winston in the beginning. Okay, worst character. My answer might be a little controversial here. And I also hate my answer. It pains me to say this because I love Bill Murray as an actor. I did not like Bankman. He seemed like a D-bag and like he was hitting on a student then he was hitting on Dana then he was just like being kind of a creeper and I was not into it. You know, I didn't pick him as my least favorite character, but I agree with you. Thank you. Here's my thought. I was thinking, you know what? If he were my coworker, I would want to punch him in the face mm-hmm. every single day. Um, I mean, we're, we're going to get to best character arc in a while, but I had already mentioned this, how I didn't feel like any of the, the three main Ghostbusters had much of an arc at all. And if there was any, if, any of them could have the potential for an arc it would have been his character yeah but it he i don't think he's any different at the end than he is in the beginning yeah he's still kind of obnoxious um and and that's and i also read that that's one of the reasons why ernie hudson's role as winston was made smaller not just because eddie murphy had stepped down but also because Bill Murray came in and they wanted to make his part bigger because he's Bill Murray. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, I, I I agree with you. I think that, you know, I mentioned how like there, I think that the three of them, um, so Venkman, Spengler, and, and Ray, I think that they are not really characters, but caricatures. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like they have That's a why very... the cartoon was so much better because you got to like understand the characters more. Yeah. Yeah. I I just I just feel like they were one specific personality type and that didn't change at all. Um yeah. I I think that and I think Bankman, Bill Murray's character was, you know, the the one with the ego and and the arrogance. Um he didn't take it didn't seem to take anything seriously. Um, you know, and I, and no, I, I, I didn't pick him as my least favorite character, but I totally see where you're coming from. Thank you. Uh, I actually picked as my least favorite character, Walter Peck played by William Atherton, who I mentioned earlier was also in Die Hard. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I feel like, and maybe this is my, the six-year-old in me who hated him when I first saw the movie, but his character is so unlikable. Um, and even though, and he's barely in the movie, but he's the one I I hate the most. And it's not 
part of it is because of his agenda to shut down the Ghostbusters operation. And they're the heroes of the film. So we're rooting for them. So obviously we're going to root against him. But something that really bothered me about him, kind of similar to my my issues with um, Martin and Sleeping with the Enemy and how he drinks out of a water fountain. Um, <laughs> Walter Peck like barely moves his mouth when he talks. If you, mm-hmm. I, I'm pretty confident you're never going to watch this movie again. But if it ever happens to be on in the background, so mm-hmm. yeah, and you and you happen to be like, oh, maybe I'll just watch some of it. Watch the scenes that he's in. His mouth does not move. It's so weird. weird. It's fascinating to me. Um, I also read that his character was so unlikable that after the film was released, because it was it was so popular, it was like the highest grossing film of the time. And it's still like on the top 50 highest grossing films of all time. Um, I think the film that beat it out eventually was Home Alone. Um, but when people saw him on the street, the actor, they would call him Dickless. They would yell at him. Oh, I saw Dickless. that. Yep. So he was my least favorite character. Okay. All right. That's a good answer. Thank um, you. So best character arc, I I said that I didn't feel that the three the three main Ghostbusters had any sort of character arc. Mm-hmm. But I did feel that one Ghostbuster did. And that was Winston by Ernie Hudson. Uh And the reason why I chose him was because I felt that he's the only Ghostbuster. So the other three are already invested in this type of research. So we are led to believe that they do think that these things are real. Fankman, maybe not some. I mean, the, the research that he's doing seems like total bullshit, you know, um, with like trying to figure out what the cards say and then shocking people, but whatever. Um, but, but they've, they've already seen things and they've trapped ghosts. So when Winston comes in, he doesn't believe any of this. And, and we know this because when, um, when the secretary played by Annie Potts, who I love, mm-hmm. um, is interviewing him and she gives him this long list of things. Do you believe in this, 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 He says, if there's a steady paycheck in it, I'll believe anything you say. So we know he's coming into this. He just needs a job. Yeah. Um, but when they're in the mayor's office after, after, uh, Peck, like had them shut down the system and now all these ghosts have been released. He says that, you know, he's basically says like, look, when I started working for these guys, I thought they were full of shit. But then he says, I've seen shit that'll turn a man white, you know? So he's, he, now he's a believer. Uh-huh. Um, so I felt like he's the one character that does change from beginning to end in that sense. So I gave him best character arc. This was a really hard category. Yeah. Because as you say, like most of the characters, you're like, okay, you are who you are. And yeah. there's no, and like, I don't think the film takes place over the course of a very long period of time. Um, So I might have some of my facts not straight here again. Okay. As a reminder, <laughs> I was tuning out quite a bit. So as I understand... There's Zool, the ghost or not ghost. Right. And then basically Zool's boss is this dude named Gozer. Mm -hmm. I chose Gozer. Okay. (laughs) Because he goes from being this like trapped entity, right? Mm -hmm. Then he's freed. And then he's free and he's like causing all of this chaos in New York City. And he's like terrorizing people, whether it's him himself or he's 
got his minions doing it, but I'm pretty sure that he is the one that is the Stay Puffed Marshmallow Man. I think that's Gozer and not Zool. So I think Zool is his minion. Okay. That works for me. Right? Because otherwise, who's Gozer? They mentioned this Gozer, dude. No, I think you I think you might be right because in Egon's research that Vegman shares with Dana, he does say that Zul was a minion for Gozer. Yeah. So the dog in her refrigerator is asking for Zul. And then the the German woman in the fancy Leotard is referred to as Zul. They call her Zuli. Mm-hmm. So Gozer, yes, is the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man. Yeah, so I think then, and then he ultimately goes back to being trapped, but he's got, like, you know, his moment of, like, stuff. Yeah. I chose Gozer. <laughs> well, that's a really interesting answer, Sonia. I respect that. Thank you. <laughs> we are not getting uh, any points today. <laughs> I don't think so. Especially because my least convincing performance, this is pretty controversial. Okay. I chose Dan Aykroyd because I, like, forgot his character completely. And I don't know if it's because he was busy writing, so he, like, couldn't focus on being his character. I kept forgetting his character's name. I can't remember it right now. Yeah. And and, and I have to say, in a way, this answer is unfair. Because comparatively, like, if you were to really rank everybody's performance, he would not be at the bottom. Mm-hmm. But I know what Dan at Dan Aykroyd can deliver. Yeah, and it wasn't in this film. Well, I think that that speaks to how poorly developed the characters were. Yeah, and and how much Bill Murray's character absorbed the screen and screen time. Yeah, you know what I mean. I and again, like I would have loved more of Ray. I would have loved more of Egon. Apparently, there was a whole sub uh, subplot like runner between Egon. And um, Annie Potts's character, where there's this budding romance, and we oh, we see I like, like that. I would have loved that. We see little glimpses of it. At least I think we see her obsession and interest. Maybe not obsession, but her interest in him, and him not really being in tune with that because he's so socially detached. Mm-hmm. Um. But I would have loved more of Egon and more of Ray. I and I and I and again, I think that's another fault in, in the in the storytelling is that there's a they're a team, but I don't think they're given equal playing time. Yeah, you know what I mean. Agreed. Um, and and yeah, and and to like to what you said before, and I echo this is I would have loved more of Winston. I would have loved for him to come in earlier, give us some more of his backstory. Apparently, he did have more of a backstory. We you know we would have found out that he worked for the military, um, that he, and he also worked in construction. So that's you know a little bit of information I feel like could have been very easily thrown in there. That was p- originally part of that interview scene between him and. Um, Annie, pa- I'm totally blanking on her character's name. Um, um, Janine. Janine. So to the the scene between Winston and Janine when she's interviewing him, we would have learned these things about him, but they cut some of that stuff out. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I chose her worst or least convincing performance, the Steak Puff Marshmallow Man. <laughs> because i poor guy because here's why because he's not scary 
like everyone's freaking out about the state puff marshmallow man and i think he's totally adorable yeah he's giant but when you shoot him you know he just melts and then you're covered in marshmallows why is that scary i also love that when you first see him it's like the like top of his head and just like this big giant marshmallow yeah (laughs) that will also so to your point like that scene is supposed to be terrifying and even at one point i think egon's just like i'm too scared to move Mm -hmm. but it's hilarious yeah yeah the whole thing is hilarious like they're basically expecting to go into battle and then one of them thinks of like something to neutralize this and then it's the like this giant marshmallow man right i would be like that was perfect. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you very much. For best performance, I chose Sigourney Weaver. Oh. I love her in this movie. I love Sigourney Weaver in general. Um, most of the work that she did before Ghostbusters was drama. Uh, but she actually did a lot of comedy in her training. Uh, and so she wanted to show that side of her that she could that she could do that kind of thing. And she's so funny in this movie. One of my favorite moments, and it's so subtle, but it's when um, Venkman is in her apartment and he's like going into every room with his weird like spray thing or whatever it is. And and he opens up one door and she goes, well, that's the bedroom, but nothing ever happened in there. Mm-hmm. And he goes, what a crime. And she gives this kind of like side eye. I I roll that is so perfect um and I love it but then I also love when she's possessed and the transformation of her character and her performance I just think it shows the range that she has because she's so seductive in that and she's absolutely gorgeous Mm -hmm. and I I loved her in all of the different ways that she performed in this film. So she was my pick for best performance. I actually considered her for best character arc for like all of those reasons, because Mm -hmm. she goes through like this whole transformation and then she's saved, but then, you know, obviously I chose (laughs) Gozer. Gozer. Um, My answer is a little off base. Okay. Um, I chose Ray Parker Jr. who performs the Ghostbusters theme. (laughs) Because that song is a jam. That song is so good. Now, he did get sued by Huey Lewis because Uh the Ghostbusters theme sounds very similar to I Want a New Drug. It does. It really does. It really, really does. But you know what? They're both wonderful songs. Yes. And I'll leave it at that. Okay. All right. You lost me at. My you lost me at was that the majority of the Ghostbusters are completely unlikable. And we've kind of already talked about a lot of this. Like, Bankman's like a weird lady creeper. Yeah. Um, Egon. Egon, I actually thought, comes across as arrogant because he is so, like, disconnected from people. Mm-hmm. And I think, like, I don't blame him for being disconnected from people. Like, I can understand that. But it almost comes across as, like, you know, he's like, I'm smarter than everybody. Like, all right dial it back dial it down a little bit and then stance as i said before is like kind of forgettable so i just feel like the film is called ghostbusters they're the main characters they should have been more likable i i i get that i get that my (laughs) 
No, but you're right. I mean, I think that I think that ties in with a lot of the like the major criticism that I have with the film. You know, I their yeah. characters just aren't developed enough for for us to to really care. I think we care about the actors. Yes. Not the characters. Yes. That's the draw is the name, not uh-huh. not the characters that they're playing. For sure. Yeah. Um, and, and I think that that's a flaw, and, you know, for a film that you want to, you know, withstand the test of time, you know, like six, you, you know, like teenagers or people in their 20s might not appreciate these actors as much as we did at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, no, I, I think that's fair. Uh, my You Lost Me At, I actually have to credit Lee for this because this was something that he mentioned when the movie was over. And I was like, oh, my God, you're totally right. Um so, but, and I think this kind of ties in with some of your questions about Zool and Gozer. <laughs> so, um, if we're talking about ghosts, for for me, when I hear the word ghost, my assumption is that it is, you know, the the spiritual um, energy remnants of a person who has passed away. Mm-hmm. So, what the fuck was Slimer? <laughs> slimer die yeah like why are some ghosts people and then some ghosts are green blobs or some weird bird with scary teeth like where so so that was if he's not he's not slimer and I'm, I'm referring to him as slimer because that's what they call him in the in the cartoons mm-hmm. um because he's clearly not human so where did he come from? And, or and but now that I'm saying this out loud, I'm thinking back to what I read about how the original story took place in the future and had like an interplanetary um, I theme to it. So maybe he's supposed to be from another planet, but I don't know. But it didn't work. Yeah, so that was my you lost me at. Yeah, that's a good one. Because yeah. also, yeah, if he is even like left over from the original concept. You kind of have to explain that. Right. Yeah. Um, my you had me at actually this category I had a really hard time with. Mm-hmm. Um and so my I just came up my my answer was Ray's enthusiasm for the firehouse and getting to ride down the pole. I, okay. I don't know why. Like it's just I think this was this is kind of like my throwaway category because I really couldn't think of something where I was like, this is the part that I love, mm-hmm. or this is the thing that really grabbed me. I, I just couldn't come up with anything this time around. That's fair. That's, that's my answer. I chose the scenes of like when you get to see New York City in the 1980s. Mm-hmm. I thought that was really awesome. I love yeah. those like, I love seeing like pictures of like my hometown in the like early 1800s and, you know, seeing places that you're familiar with before it looks like what it looks like now. Yeah. Oh, I love that answer. Thank you. I also saw something when I was just like doing research on this that like one of the biggest things that people love about this movie is it's like, it's it's interpretation and representation of New York City. And mm-hmm. I was like, I totally get that. And that's also why I chose the drink because I, you know, it's where it takes place. But Manhattan is essentially a character in the film. Like you're trying to save the city. Yeah. Um. So, yeah. Anyway. I like it. Thank you. All right. Favorite line. So apparently my favorite line in 2007 <laughs> uh-huh. was voted as the 68th out of a hundred greatest movie lines by premiere. I don't know what premiere is. Okay. But this occurs when the, they're the ghostbusters are like pleading with the mayor and they're like, come on, you gotta let us save the city. And they're talking about like, if you don't let us save the city, all this bad shit's going to happen. And then Bankman says human sacrifice. 
Dogs and cats living together. Mass hysteria. <laughs> oh, God. The I humanity. Also, the humanity. I also heard that that line was really popular. <laughs> I almost chose another line from that where that's an exchange where um, uh, Venkman refers to Walter Peck as dickless. And then, but it's in the context of he shut everything down and then all the ghosts went out. And then the mayor says, is that true? And then Vegman says, yes, it is. This man has no dick. Um, <laughs> I but that. I didn't pick that as my favorite line. This one, I, I, what I picked as my favorite line, I picked because I, I read that this was actually um, Harold Ramis uh, ad-libbed the last part of this exchange. So it's between Egon and Venkman. And Egon says, uh, Egon says, this is big, Peter. This is very big. There is definitely something here. And Venkman says, Egon, this reminds me of the time you tried to drill a hole through your head. Remember that? And then Egon says, that would have worked if you hadn't stopped me. <laughs> and that last <laughs> night, apparently Harold Ramis just ad- ad-libbed it. That's really funny. And it, but it, what's so great about it is that you don't like, there's so much going on. Cause they're kind of like, there's like this bustle happening. So you don't, you don't like, it, it's almost feels like a throwaway line, you know, but mm-hmm. it's so funny. A lot. Of, I feel like a lot of the funny lines, like feel like throwaways, but they're genius. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. All right. So we scored zero points. It's okay. We it's kind fine. of expected that going i feel like we like know what it's gonna be like yeah but you know what i have to say is that when we don't score points i think we have really interesting answers and i think it just promotes more fun discussion about the movie for sure yeah so no points it's okay it's fine before we move on sonia and i share with you our next movie do you have any final thoughts or comments about Ghostbusters? Um, I guess I just, you know, I respect that it is a classic film. I don't necessarily understand why, but maybe this is one of those ones that you had to see it at a certain time in your life. And when you're seeing it for the first time in your late 30s, you're just not going to quite get it. I feel like that's a a common trend with a lot of the movies that I've I've made you watch. <laughs> well, and especially when you have your friend who doesn't generally like movies watch the movie, <laughs> that's going to be their comment. Yeah, but you know what? This is a film that it, you know it. It we have so many um, derivatives of it, and it's just part of the zeitgeist. And I think it's really important to yeah. at least be familiar with it and know it and see it again, like. You don't have to like it. And I know you're not always going to like every movie that I watch, but I do appreciate that you take the time to actually watch these movies and and indulge me a little bit. Of course. And even if I was not super impressed with the film, I will take this to my grave. The Ghostbusters theme is a jam. (laughs) Jam. Indeed. Well, Sonia... It is time to move on. We're saying goodbye to Ghostbusters and we're going to move on to our next film. Bye, Ghostbusters. (laughs) So funny story. This movie that we're going to watch actually came up in conversation with some of my friends at work. And I remember, I know. And one of my friends, I think it was Jed, he said, this would be a great outdoor movie night (gasps) movie. 
And I was like, yes. And I said, I know Sonia hasn't seen this movie and it's on our list. And um, I, I know at some point I'm going to have her watch it. And Sonia, you may know that I usually like make a calendar for myself. So I have like, you know, a, a list of movies kind of lined up for us. Mm-hmm. And wouldn't you know that this movie that came up in conversation at school is actually the next movie on the list. I swear to God, I didn't like decide to throw it in there about like two months ago. I already decided this was going to be our next movie. It's because you're psychic. It's because I'm psychic. Exactly. And I have to say that um, this is a movie that I know you haven't seen. You said you haven't seen it, but you did say that you wanted to see it. Okay. So I, I hope that you're looking forward to watching this next film. Sonia, the next film that we are going to be watching is Jacob, Tummy Roll, Please. Singles. Gina, it was just on TV and I recorded it. Oh, so, but you you didn't watch it yet? I haven't watched it yet. Oh, thank God. <laughs> and I'm also not going to watch the recording because I bet they edit stuff out. Yeah, no, no, no. Oh, was it like a like a um what do it you call just, it? Network television. Yeah, it was thing? on like AXS or like Access, I think is actually what the channel's called. Like one okay. of those like concert channels. Holy shit, that's so crazy. Oh my god. You know what this means? What? I'm, I am psychic. You are a hundred percent psychic. Also, can we just talk about how I texted Gina about this, but we did Bad Teacher a few weeks ago and we talked about gangsters parodies and then Coolio died. I know. <laughs> I feel like maybe I I don't know. I feel like our podcast is giving off some kind of energy. It's not. It's just the thing where like you think about something and then something related to that happens. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Because there have been other people that have died since we've started our podcast and we've yes. never mentioned them before. Yeah. Oh my God. I'm so fucking excited for this. Oh, I'm so excited. Oh I'm my God. I'm so excited. I think this is the most excited that you've ever been. Yeah. Wait. Oh, I almost forgot. Sonia, what's the movie about? Oh, shit. Okay. <laughs> so um, people are in Seattle and they're single and they don't really want to be single. And that's cool. Because, you know, sometimes you want to just find a partner that you love. But a lot of, like, grunge people are in it. Um, like Chris Cornell. I think Lane Staley. And that's why I'm interested. <laughs> <laughs> it's really about the grunge. I have no idea who those people are. <laughs> it's the lead. They're both. They have both passed on. So we can't at least have the NNSI curse on them. But okay. Chris Cornell was the lead singer of Soundgarden and Temple of the Dog and Audio Slave. Oh. And then Lane Staley was the lead singer of Alice in Chains. Okay. I got you. And I, I think Pearl Jam people are in it too, maybe, but I don't remember. I don't know off the top of my head. Because it's Cameron Crowe, right? Y- yes, I think so. I think so too. You know what? I don't even know. Did well, I pick? We'll, we'll find out next time. Did I pick another Cameron nope, never Crow saw it. movie? <laughs> it's okay if you did. He's clearly a genius. I okay. All right. All right. Well, I I can't wait to rewatch this movie. I haven't seen it in a long time. Um. Yeah, and I'm excited that you're excited. Very excited. Let's do this. 
And that's the end of our episode. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram at NNSIPod. And if you enjoy our podcast, tell your friends like John Mulaney did. They can find (laughs) us wherever they listen to their podcasts. Like and subscribe and all the things. And join us next time with your cocktail at the ready when we talk about singles. We'll see you then because we've got lots more to watch. And I've seen nothing. So please keep listening. And we'll keep watching. Bye. Bye.